Wow, um, it's good to see you, and we have guests that, today wasn't the first, yeah, it's you. Uh, this, you, this wasn't the first time y'all come, right? This is Bob and Pat, there you go, thank you, Bob and Pat, and uh, their guest, their daughter lives here in Stanton, and how long have y'all lived here now? Almost a year. Almost a year, yes, I knew it was recent, so we, I appreciate seeing you this morning, appreciate seeing you back tonight. Um, we're, we're doing chapter 16, there, the questions are out there if you need paper, and then 17 that you can answer next week. This, uh, this one is, is rather straightforward, um, because it just goes bang, 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 bang. As you can tell by the questions, they weren't deep. The questions were, what happened the first time, the second time, third time, fourth time? So I, um, sometimes I, I put things on paper just so you have a scrap piece of paper to write on, take notes if you want to. Um, but uh, there are things to see here. Um, in general, uh, this chapter, this is the final set of, of um, judgments, uh, to, to put it one way here, the final set of series of seven things. And uh, I am going to uh, look at this little book a little bit because uh, he, has, uh, he has some pretty neat little um, insights, and so I'll glance down at that uh, uh, quite often to see. But um, again, this this chapter is this is the big ending. Okay, we had the beginning, and this is the big ending. But it, it's sort of the this is what's happening, and then the next two chapters covers the last thing, and that's the destruction of Babylon. And we've talked about Babylon; it's been in Revelation before. It is a symbolic word, more than likely, um, of just the whole world system, uh, the, the idea of the centralized. Um, it's very possible. I, sorry, I, always, I, I shouldn't explain everything I say, but my upbringing was that the news was as current, the Bible is as current as the news, news is current as the Bible. And when you are studying scripture, you start noticing things in the news more and more and more. And one of the big pushes today is for a centralized monetary system around the world. And they call it the Great Reset. Let's just all get rid of everything and redo it. We already don't use cash very often. Um, it's always shocking uh, to, to the um, person behind the, the counter when you pull out cash. Um, if you ever just want to have fun, I think I told you, just ask them if they take Hawaiian money. Um, and many of them get confused. But uh, anyway... Um, but, but we don't see our money coming and going. Uh, we just we swipe a card and all that. And send, uh, according to how careful you are, sometimes you're shocked at the end of the month and, uh, or even before when they go, I'm sorry, your card's been declined. And you go, what? Uh, because we're not noticing. And so um, th that's going to make possible a lot of, of the takeover of the Antichrist um, a cry for, hey, if we have one ruler, war will cease. And in my opinion, we don't see that happening in Scripture so much. It's just in Revelation, it happens. Um, so when, when I'm looking at the news and, um, you know, politics, international politics works on the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, I, I remember being shocked as a young person when I realized that, uh, uh, Russia was on our side, World War II. I'm like, what? How'd that work? Um, you know, it, it, it was just, it was strange. But 
strange, right, right, politics makes strange bedfellows. Italy flipped in the middle, right, and then they went from the right side to the wrong side, and then we crushed that. So, um, so I'm looking at other elements just personally when I read the news of do we see hints of people wanting that to happen. Of course, there are people that have always wanted that to happen. Um, the first time was in beginning of Genesis at, at the Tower of Babel. So, um, so God confused the language. Let me pray, and then I'm going to tell you something. I, um, I heard someone say, not even uh, a religious person. Well, he was a religious person, but wasn't a religious talk. Um, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you in Jesus' name for tonight. We thank you for the book of Revelation. Um, your Bible is a book of answers, not a book of questions. Uh, but when you have revealed future things to us, you've always revealed it in a way that that if we're very discerning, we might begin to understand it a little bit, but we recognize it when it happens. And so, Lord, help us to, to know what is going to happen, um, that we will uh, recognize things as they come along, and that uh, if uh, any of us are here, that we'll remember your word told us what, it, what is going on in reality. And so I just thank you in Jesus' name for what you're doing. Amen. Um, I'll tell you what the person said, but... <clears throat> Sorry, let me, um, actually I had a great thought and then it left me. It must not have been that great. It may come back. Um, I, I was listening to a, a person uh, just on a different uh, a, a podcast. I hate saying the word. Um, but anyway, on a podcast, and they were, they were talking about um, helping to rescue people caught up in, in slave traffic. And I, I hope this was this past week. That might have been the week before him. I said this last week. Um, did, did I tell you what he called the cell phone? Oh, okay, good. It was this week then. And uh, so the, the guy is talking, and he was saying that the reason that they can get away with, with uh, the slave trade, that, and, and I, I hinted at this morning because it's embarrassing to say it out loud, uh, but it's the sex slave traffic. That is rampant, and we are in the middle of a corridor from Harrisonburg down to Richmond, um, and we're right in the middle, and teenagers and, and young women disappear along this corridor a lot. Um, and I did talk about that a little bit last, last week at the end after we cut off the, the tape. But So I'm listening to this guy, and he was saying one of the things that had hindered it was a language barrier, and why it can flourish today is because there's no cooperation or one central place where you can go. And he didn't compare it this way, but this is what I heard him saying. Do y'all know what Kayak is as a, as a phone app? Anybody? Okay. Well, one person second there. Yes, everybody else is going, what? What's an app? All right. Um, uh, there's an app called Kayak, and there's others like it, uh, Trivago and all. You, you might have seen commercials. So they're like hotels.com. Oh, you can go find a good hotel. And then there's, you know, flights.com. You can go see a flight. Well, Kayak or Trivago, you put in what you want to do and when you want to do it, and they give you the best prices and everything that is associated with that. So that's what this fellow is doing. He is bringing together all that information and people that keep records so that any person could go on there. Law enforcement have their own type of the same thing, but any common... Like, your daughter goes to college, you, you have this app, you meet a guy, you put, you put in his name. And she can see whether anything's untoward. And so they were talking about the inability, but now because of this, 
that, that it's possible for us to communicate. And he said, but I heard a guy talking because you understand that if I had a friend that spoke, let's say, native Japanese, I got, there's enough apps that I could speak to them, put it through the app, it would translate into Japanese, they could understand it and write back to me. Now, I'm sure it'd get a little wonky in there. And he said he was explaining that to someone at a seminar, and the guy said, so you mean to say that I'm holding in my hand a brick in the Tower of Babel? And I went, whoa, that is... This little device helps us to realize how possible what we're reading in here is for there to be a, a, a you know, nobody can buy or sell. Nobody can, you know, you, 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 no monetary, that's what the great thing, y'all remember when I was a kid, and I assume when you were a kid, we learned about the great debate of when we were on the gold standard and leaving the gold standard. There is nothing backing our money. It's an illusion. <laughs> it's only worth what we say it's worth. And so they can just play with the numbers a little bit, and suddenly we're in, you know, recession, depression, or we're doing this or that. It, it's, it's so complicated, like, I don't, of course I don't get it, but, but it, it's just unbelievable. So coming up to chapter 16, we have seen all of these things, and the, and the beast takes over, and everybody is, uh, you've you got to pick sides in here. And we come to 16, and this is purely God pouring out his wrath, not on individuals, not on, but the, on those who follow the beast and the false prophet. And so when we see them, they're very, there are similarities um, back to Egypt. And uh, uh, he mentioned one other thing. It's, uh, oh, back to some of the earlier, uh, the, the seven, uh, the, one of the other sevens, um, the, the trumpets. It, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, but these are very, very much more, uh, they're very much increased in severity. I'm going to say that in good English, about to say it silly. And another thing I, I hadn't thought about and didn't notice, but he pointed out, in the, in the earlier uh, judgments, it was on nature, and it affected man. These are coming directly on man. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, the other ones uh, affected the, the earth or the sky or the water, um, and they affected man secondarily, but these are falling directly on men. Now, the things are happening to nature, but the results are to men. And if you read the chapter, everybody either dies or should die, because at the end of this chapter, there's no source of fresh water at all. It's gone. There's no living animals in any of the water. They're all dead. Most men are, are, are destroyed. And so we, we're going to see all that in uh, these, uh, these chapters. Then 17 and 18, and I always, in my head, I'm, I'm sorry, I get a little bit confused. I tried to straighten out before I came in, but that's pretty tough. 17 and 18 is just two chapters on the fall of this entire world system and and the judgment of God. So let's just look at it. In the first couple of verses, it's kind of an introduction into it. And then I heard a loud voice from the, from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. And so the second uh, verse, we have the first angel. Let's stop at the first verse, though. 
I, I wouldn't have thought there was a whole lot to see there, but there was an important point um, that this commentator made that I had not kept in my mind. And, and by the way, have you noticed that in Revelation? There's so many moving parts. Sometimes we lose the connection of this event to that other event. And so he said, what he said is, that voice coming out of the temple has to be the voice of God. Because nobody's in the temple. In the, they, they, and let, let me look at the reference uh, to that. Um, because everybody being excluded. In chapter 14, verse 10, they've all been pushed out of the temple. Um, in 14.10, he will uh, drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength cups of anger, um, for, and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels of the presence. I'm sorry, I, I, that must not be uh, the reference. It is the wrath of God. But he says all others have been excluded from the temple. So it has to be God speaking. So before it's been, it starts or whatever, but now it's God saying, get the bowls, pour them out. And it adds weight to what is going on there. So the first angel goes and he pours it out his bowl on the earth. Harmful and painful sores come upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. So where have we seen boils and sores before in the Bible? Not in Revelation. What's that? Job and in Egypt. That was one of the plagues. So um, how do they fix them? Um, Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll get confused. I won't say that. Uh, I, I, I didn't look it up. It just came into my head just then. So, uh, so the first bowl, all of a sudden everybody's got bowl, boils and sores. I'm just going to say what happens to, to me. As I read this chapter over again, one of the things that hit me was we do see some of this in a very microcosmic way, microscopic way, maybe is the right word to say, um, already. Are there not new diseases coming up all, all the time? Are there not things happening in the atmosphere, in the water, in all of these things? And man is, who does man blame for those things happening? Man, right. Um, and maybe God is giving early warning signs of what's to come. That's, that's just what goes in my head. I'm not saying that's right, because that's not what the Bible says, not what, I, I can't claim authority. But, and if you notice, a lot of these new diseases are a result of one of two things. Extreme sinful activity by men, or man tinkering with God's creation. Um, our grandson, I don't know if, uh, how, I, I, well anyway. Our grandson, when he was a little bitty baby, how old was he, sweetie? Uh, peanut allergies. <laughs> six months, or yeah, I thought it was around six months. His mom touched butter, uh, yeah, ice cream, peanut butter ice cream, and put it on, just touched his tongue with it so that he could, first time, you know, a little baby tasting, and he just started swelling up. So raced him to the hospital and all and said, they said, what happened? She said, I don't know. And she told him what happened. And, and the doctor said, well, it can't be a peanut allergy. He's too young to have that. Well, it was a peanut allergy. And said, if he ever ingests a peanut or anything, he's going to die. So she had gave him two. Uh, they, she always carries around two 
EpiPens and said give him two and then race him to the hospital if he ever gets around. And it's happened a couple times, uh, you know, kid gave him a cracker and he ate it, stuff like that. Well, how come we didn't used to hear a lot about peanut allergies? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it's modified and man has tinkered with it. We play God. Now, ostensibly for a very good reason, we can increase the crop yield, we can increase the amount, we can increase and have it bear more in worse conditions. And that's a good thing. But God made it in a way that every part of it has to work together to make it useful to our health. And sometimes we hit it just a little bit wrong and suddenly things start happening. So we've seen an increase in a lot of just conditions like that. Diabetes, of course, because they could keep us alive, so we keep passing on the gene. Um, and, and, you know, what you gonna do? Uh, but I'm just saying, as we come to Revelation, we see it becoming more and more evident, but then I said all that to turn it around. Are the people going through this even aware? Are the people going through the tribulation, if they're believers and they got a hold of a Bible or somebody read a Bible, they may have remembered or they may be looking at that. But do these people even understand that God is doing something supernaturally resulting in these natural events? They ought to be able to. But we come at it from such a church viewpoint, when we read it, we go, well, duh, anybody would know. But if all of a sudden everybody's just breaking out in boils and sores, well, not everybody. Who's not? Those who don't worship the beast. Those who are suffering under persecution, they don't get boils and sores. They get their heads cut off, but they don't get boils and sores. So it is a very specific judgment. And sometimes these diseases hit a very specific um, population as well that we see going on today. I'm just saying, don't, we're going to come to the Euphrates drying up later. Anybody see all the YouTube stuff a couple months ago? It was like, the, U the Euphrates is drying up in Revelation. That's where these things are held. And that, it dries up every year, y'all. Well, especially because uh, 20 years ago, the church dammed up the Euphrates. Right. Yeah, we, somebody dammed it up. So it, it just, it's not allowed to flow. I come from a state that messed up the water system itself. And that drives me crazy we do that too. But... I've been a grumpy old man since I was about 16, so don't, don't, don't mind me. So anyway, so we, we see this, this going on. Um, and so these painful sores break out, and only on those people. So that's just the first one. we got six more to go. So he doesn't say much about it. But then the second angel, verse 3, pours his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. Now, the Greek word for every, what does the Greek word for every mean? Every. every, thank you, yeah. So everything died. It didn't say most of it died, it said every living thing. The megalodon floats to the top. Now, I don't know. I, I, I make these cultural references, I'm sorry. Um, everybody's looking for this 100-foot-long shark called megalodon. Um, but they did exist at one time, and I used to have a tooth of one. But anyway, so this this. All the sea, now notice that, it's the salt water, everything dies in it. It, it, turn, it becomes like the blood of a corpse. It doesn't say it turns to blood, but it says it, it turns like the blood of a corpse. Well, what's true about the blood of a corpse? 
Okay. But yeah, I wouldn't even come from that angle. Please help me. Okay, so so it separates out. Okay, that, well, thank you for that. Um, and and I would say that it, what what turns blood red? Oxygen. Yeah. So if your blood is not getting ox oxygen, if you died of asphyxiation, what color do you turn? Blue, blue because all the blood is blue. Then right, you're not getting enough air. So all you got to do to kill everything in the water is take the oxygen out of it, right? In, in World War II, um, they, the, the German U-boats were tearing us up, and they said, what are we going to do? And there was a humorist back then named Will Rogers. Y'all remember Will Rogers? And he said, I've got the answer. Everybody's worrying about it. i got the answer. He said, we boil the oceans. It'll get so hot, the U-boats will have to come to the top. Then we can see them, and we can shoot them. Somebody said, how are you going to boil the ocean? He said, I gave you the answer. The details are up to you. <laughs> so... I just gave you a, a natural way, and we see hints of that in some places where seawater gets overheated, the oxygen's lost, and they call it the red bloom, and the animals in that area die, or on a lake, uh, turnover every year, uh, all the sediment in the bottom, the leaves and stuff, there can be a turnover, and, it's, and it saps the oxygen out of the water, and all the animals in it die. God's going to make the, and think about it, that's two-thirds of the Earth's surface, everything is going to die. Orcas, blue whales, squid, shrimp, plankton, nothing is left alive. Thank you. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, that comes from a former fifth grade teacher. That's why you. I didn't even think about that statistic because I wouldn't have remembered it if you'd asked me. 80% of the oxygen in the world comes from the plankton in the ocean. Well, I, that makes sense because two-thirds of the world's surface and plankton's everywhere, right? So, thank you. Um, then, we got the fourth angel. I, I, I hate to just keep doing this. Um, and now he's going to take care of the rest of the water. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Now, now it says they became blood, not like blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, just are, just are you, sorry, just, not just as in only, but just as in you are right. Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. There's two or three things in here. I'm going to skip one of them. Um, well, for about four things now. So God is just in this judgment. Um, Someone asked last week, uh, asked in a private way, um, and they were just concerned about someone that, that they knew that was dead and they didn't believe they were in heaven. And, you know, how are we going to handle that in heaven? And um, how can we be happy for eternity if we can see from heaven into hell and that kind of thing? And we just said, well, number one, God wipes away all the tears from our eyes. We know that. Secondly, we have God's perspective, and we will agree with him that those who are in hell um, did deserve to go there, but then thirdly, we have to depend on a good God to do good, right? 
And so, however it works, you know, he will, he will help us in there. But, so a just God is, and, and, he is, and it says, um, just are you, O holy one, who, uh, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they shed the blood of your saints and prophets. Let me, let me open this book, because he listed the references there. Yeah, please ask. Yes. Um, yes. And shall be, yeah. Uh, verse, uh, verse, yeah, verse five, just before it, in the middle. Just are you a holy one who is and who was? Yeah. Well. Um, uh, yeah. Well, let me go ahead and answer that. He, he is and he was there at the to come part. <laughs> he's, about, he's, he's on his way, basically. But I, that would be my immediate answer. And King Jimmy was using newer, trans, uh, newer transcripts than modern translations. We've found older transcripts like the Dead Sea Scrolls and others found in monasteries and things around the world. So we have an even better understanding of what the original intent was. Um, and so sometimes a guy says, well, it's always in his to come and put it in there. And then we, so then we get an older copy and go, wait a minute, now does it change that God is to come? See what I'm saying? No, no, I, I just don't want, to, I don't want anybody to worry about we can't trust the scripture. Anytime we've had to make those kind of corrections, it was never, it was never a correction that disproved something else. In other words... In this instance, God just didn't say, and is to come. He just said, the angels, they just said, who was and is. Right, right. Right. It, probably. Right. And, uh, and, and it wouldn't hurt if it said, and is to come, because he's about to come. No, no, don't be sorry at all. It's, it's a good point, because I read two, and I went, hmm, it doesn't say, and is to come. I, I was wanting to say it. I had to stop myself. Um, but... Why is this such a, when he says, this is what they deserve, why does he say that? Yes, but why, why specifically are they, are they so saying that? Yeah. Exactly. The judgments of God have fallen on a rebellion, rebellious world as a vindication of those who've been martyred. Chapter 6, verse 9 of Revelation. In answer to their prayers of the persecuted saints. For chapter 9, verse 13. So in, in 6, 9, we see martyrs praying. And in 9, 13, the saints are being persecuted. Furthermore, the angel commanded the vineyard of the earth be reaped from the altar in fourteen eighteen. The altar affirms God's judgments are not arbitrary and capricious, but are true and just. In the end, God's acts of judgment will be completely vindicated. But I want to, I, and that's one I, I jumped over. I want to back up. The angel in charge says, says these things. And look at verse 7. Who speaks? No, look what it said. What does it say? No, verse 7, and I heard the altar speaks. 
This is the only time in Revelation the altar speaks. We've seen saints under the altar. We see voice coming out from the altar. But this says the altar speaks. Now, we don't know which altar. Uh, two altars there, uh, incense and sacrifice. We don't know which one it is. But it is like <laughs> every created thing is saying, yes, God, go. That you, you, you are doing the right thing. The altar said, yes, Lord God, the Almighty, True and just are your judgments. And if you were here last week, and I, I was talking about the great, uh, the great overarching war in the unseen world. How, how many of y'all were in Sunday school this morning? Okay, did y'all notice what it was talking about? In fact, old poor brother Joe, my wife brought up to him about, uh, you know, because in the temptation of Jesus, Satan said, hey, look at the kings of the world. I'll just give them to you if you bow down and worship me. There is a war in heaven. Satan wanted to be greater than God. He wanted to usurp God. God divides the world and gives authority in Deuteronomy 32. Um, he spread the nation. He put them in particular places, but then he gave the dominion to the, to the sons of Elohim. And he keeps the Euphrates. We're going to come to the dry in the Euphrates in a minute. Euphrates is, is a biblical border of the promised land. This is God's land. This is the one he kept. And so that's going to dry up and the hordes are going to come in on God's land. The war is going to happen on God's territory. One of Sun Tzu's, uh, in the art of war, one of the things is you need to choose the battlefield. If you get the high ground, you're going to win, right? That's, that's just a very general thing there out of Sun Tzu's book. Um, and... And notice um, in verse 5, do you see anything in there that makes you go, what? Yeah, the angel in charge of the water. All his water has just been destroyed. And he says, just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. So whatever God, angel, you're in charge of war, I want you to take care of it. And then God comes in and he turns it into blood and everything dies. And the angel says, you're just and true, man. You, you did exactly what needed to be done. What loyalty to God his servants should have, right? He doesn't go, why'd you do that? You put me in charge and you did that. How many of you remember? The, you know, here, here's a reference maybe you'll... Remember the bridge over the River Kwai. What was the point? They were forced in slave labor, prisoners of war, to build a bridge. And they said, we are British. We don't build junk. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And they built a beautiful, wonderful, very sturdy bridge to show we're better than you. And then, you know, the Allied force came along and blew it up. It really aggravated them, right? Yeah, in the re reality, I'm doing the Hollywood version, but yeah. The man who spearheaded the women to go to Ah, that was the, yeah. that was what they were dramatizing. Yeah, we got to do it to save, save others, right. Exactly. So, um, so this, this angel is, saying they've shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and so to turn their water supply, because how long can you go without water, by the way, without dying? 
Not real long. I mean, longer than we think, but not as long as some do think. You've got to have it, and you've got nothing. You've got nothing. All the water is gone. So how long does it have to be before Jesus comes back? Pretty quick, right? All right, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying this is very dramatic, and if, if, it, if we just take it at face value, it's so definitive, it's impossible for life to continue. No wonder they're going to come racing across the border. The tenth angel, I mean the fourth angel, verse uh, 8, pours his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over the plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Notice very particularly, and, and I, I keep saying that because I learned from an older, wiser man many, 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 many years ago when I was young and dumb and full of ice cream, and now I'm just old and dumb and full of ice cream, to read carefully what it says. Don't read into it. Don't re read what it says and find that out. What does it say about the sun there? I'll, I'll give you that much of a hint. Somebody said it, I think. It was allowed to. It doesn't say the sun just heated up all the earth. It says it was allowed to scorch men. But who got scorched? It's the, those who curse the name of God. It's not, and notice what they do when God's judgments are being, they know it's from God. Now they've caught on. Wait a minute, this isn't just weird events. God is doing this to us, and they are so caught up in their rebellion and hate God so much that in the midst of that, they continue to curse God, who has power over the plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. At the, at the, very dangerous for me to say what I'm about to say, for me, not for you, for me. But have we, have you ever seen this in a microcosm in your life or the life of others where a tragedy happens and we wish to blame God for it? Now, God is doing it here. But why would God allow tragedy in my life? What, what good can come out of tragedy in my life? I'll just ask it that way. Because there is a positive thing to tragedy. There's several positive things to tragedy, actually. Yes. Tragedy causes us to 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 seek God, and um, I, I hear very well what you're saying because um, 
if we become aware of that, we catch ourselves that, you know, I didn't have any trouble finding time to cry out to God when I was in trouble. And now it's, well, oh, I forgot to do that. And we, we ought to be careful of that. Um, tragedy should turn us to God, and we learn from it. Um, we were talking about suffering this morning. And do we have an example? The example Mary gave, we have a biblical example, don't we? David's son got sick, the, the, the child of his adultery, and he pled with God and pled with God and pled with God, and God let the baby die, and everybody was afraid to tell him. They said, well, if he was that upset with the child sick, what's he going to do now that he's dead? And they said, he's dead. And he said, oh, okay. He figured it out. He said, did the baby die? They said, yeah. And he got up, took his, got bathed, put on clean clothes, went and ate. So what are you doing? I th we thought you'd really freak out. And he's like, what can I do now? The baby's gone, but I'll go to him, but he'll never come back to me. And we always say, like, David believed the baby was in heaven, which I'm not saying he's not, but David just meant, I'm going to die too. We all are going to that place. And it's very sorrowful. It's very, very tough. That's why, that's why I say it's dangerous for me to say, because there are times, and I've done it. Sorry, didn't mean to hit the mic. I've done it, you know, Janice and I together have done it as a couple, like, God, why are you letting this happen? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And, and that's okay if you're honest with God, but don't give up on God, because he's just, he's right. He's doing exactly the right thing, and the only reason it looks so bad to us is we haven't got to the other side of it yet. When we get to the other side of it, we go, oh. And many times about a really bad tragedy in our lives, we say, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I'm glad I went through it. I don't want to do it again because it's not pleasant. It is not pleasant at all. I'm not trying to say that. But in tragedy, we can't. And these people are in the midst of the, and know it's the judgment of God and refuse to bow the knee. That's, that's stubborn more than any stubbornness I, I ever have heard of. Um, and they did not repent of their deeds. But then the sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. We finally came to the Euphrates. I missed the fifth, sorry, you're right. Thank you for keeping me honest. Uh, back up in verse 10, thank you. Uh, the fifth uh, angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish. Now, notice it doesn't tell us why they gnawed their tongues. We don't know what it was about that darkness that caused that. But there's something in it that is, I don't know what, what would make you gnaw your tongue. But, and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. These are such big tragedies. I am wondering the time gap from one to seven. Because all the ocean's gone. All the fresh water's gone. You've got no oxygen being created. Uh, thank you for pointing that out, sweetie. That is, whew, I never even caught that part. You've got, you've got uh, things turning to blood. Um, the sun is burning you, and all of you not redheaded will know what we've been going through all this time. Um, sorry, it's just a joke. Um, and they're cursing God, and then he plunges them into darkness. Also, a, one of the plagues of Egypt, right? That was a thing that happened there as well. The, the whole land was in darkness except for the land of Goshen. None of the plagues of Egypt touched Goshen. None of the plagues in, in chapter 16 touched people of God. It's poured out very specifically on the beast and his kingdom. 
the beast, the false prophet, and, and their kingdom. Yeah, it doesn't affect the believer. It says it's poured out specifically on those people. Because these judgments are not being poured out on conditions, they're being poured out on people. I don't either. Yeah, and... And it could be all the Christians are dead by now. Yeah. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. If a Christian was alive, that would affect them. But, but it's specifically a judgment on, on those people, and Janice is going to give me another good answer. Go ahead, babe. Won't be the first time. Right. And, and you're right, it doesn't. But down here he says he pours it out on the beast and his kingdom. So, and a kingdom is not land anymore. Now it's followers of a certain king. So it's all the, it's, it is all the world and it's affecting the people that followed him. But Kirk is correct. If the oceans are dead and we're not getting new oxygen, we're going to have a deprivation of oxygen and everybody's going to die. Jesus made one comment that I've never heard anybody explain and probably somebody has, and I, don't, I, I didn't read it, but um, he, he said, if those days were not short, no one could survive. And, and it might be this chapter, he's going, see, if a believer's alive, then he's not going to be able to survive because there's not enough oxygen left. And if a believer doesn't stop, that's not wrath. That's what? That's not wrath. No, it's not wrath. That's not wrath. Right. They may die from lack of oxygen, but they didn't get the, yeah. And, and that's true, too, but... Um, and, and again, let me just go back and repeat because y'all were making a better point, but it could be that all believers that were alive at this time have, have been killed because that's what was happening before. They were killing everybody's a Christian. They're killing them. And those who would rather be killed for Christ than to live under that system, now he's pouring out his wrath on that system. He's pouring out his wrath on the beast, false prophet, and that kingdom. Those who would rather worship the beast than worship God. Worship Satan, who is the third part of this unholy trinity, um, and, instead of worshiping God. And so they are, the, they are the target. And as Brother Ladd said, this, these judgments are not hitting just, they're being poured out the purposes to, for those, for the beast and its kingdom. And I'll just put it that way. I don't want to say those people. Um, so the, but it's a good point and a good question. And I'm sorry that I'm inadequate to answer it because I am. Um, and then now come to the sixth angel, don't I? Yes. Poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophets, there were unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go ahead of the kings, uh, to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. And then we have a parenthesis. And I have a red letter Bible here in front of me. And they put these words in red. 
Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. End of red letters. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Now, is this symbolic language of spirits? Eldon Ladd says it is. I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, as I tell you, this commentary is not super dated. It's not super old, but it's old enough. He didn't see, as far as I know, he didn't see cell phones and internet and all of that, which is explained a lot in, in, in Revelation. But did you notice, and I never noticed that before, what those spirits were doing? So I think it's a symbolic thing in, in the sense of it's not real frogs, but it could be, and he may refer to that because of Egypt again. But they had a specific purpose coming out of the mouth of Satan, the beast, and the false prophet. And what was it? To, what were they doing? And they succeed. Yeah, they're assembling all the kings of the earth to fight against God. Okay, right here. Um, verse 13, and coming out of the mouth of the, the dragon, the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet, there were unclean spirits like frogs, their demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Skip verse 15 because the declaration by Christ and verse 16 and they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. He calls them to battle. Satan, the false prophet, and the beast says, come on, boys, we're going to fight God here. And they assemble in Israel. And the Euphrates dried up, so the kings of the east, which is a symbolic way of saying all the kings of the world that deny God. And they're all... Now, imagine being in... The 1800s, let's not go all the way back to the first century. They understand that everybody's dying from lack of, at least from lack of food and water and all of that. How are they all going to get to Israel that fast to fight against these? They're being driven by these spirits to assemble their armies, and they do assemble their armies. Because we're about to see them all destroyed by this sharp sword coming out of Christ's mouth, right? Y'all know enough to know that's about to happen, right? You, you, you know how you watch a movie and you know what's going to happen, but it still scares you? you know, y'all know that's going to happen, right? That's coming next. Yeah, exactly, right. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. It's a great what? Great tank battlefield, yeah. It is. It's a wide valley. Jezreel, the valley of Jezreel. Well, there's been a lot of death leading up to this, this particular judgment. You know, if, if it's the forces in the East, we always talk about China, there are, there's a country, a very large country, on the road to, to Israel right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're ready. Very far, the far 
Yeah, and th this commentator says that the kings of the east, um, it, it may not be as actual, but maybe a little more symbolic because people translate it as a pagan horde joining force with the kings of the whole civilized world to do battle with the Messiah. Um, and it is the battle of the great day of the Lord God Almighty. Later we read, the beast is supported by ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. In chapter 17, verse 12, we haven't studied that one yet. And they join the beast in making war on the lamb. That's 1714, that's the next chapter. And these ten kings um, may either be kings from the east or kings of the whole world. In any case, John expects a confederation of two groups of kings and supported the beast to do battle with the lamb. So this is the, the great, now there's a couple of things about six and seven uh, here in the bowls. Six does not pour out, um, it pours out his, his, his bowl, but it doesn't affect people, just the Euphrates dries up. So all of a sudden, this bowl is, is not injuring people, it just it dries up the Euphrates. You could make an argument that could hurt somebody, but he's drying up the Euphrates, and then the beast sends out, the, or Satan, the dragon, sends out the, the news, we're going to meet right here, and we're going to settle this. This is a cosmic war that's been going on since the Garden of Eden, and before, really, when Satan said, I'll exalt myself above the throne of God, and I will be as God. That's why when he tempts Jesus, if Jesus had given in to that, it was a shortcut. He wouldn't have to suffer to win the world. He just gets to t get it back from Satan. But then he would no longer be God, would he? He would have given Satan the vic handed Satan the victory. He would have uh, snatched defeat right out of the jaws of victory. And so he would rather suffer so that he could win this battle thousands of years later. And we have been in a, and we are engaged. We are all. We don't think about it this way, but every Christian is a soldier in an army, and the way we fight the war is to believe in Christ and bring other people into his kingdom. I, I, I was telling uh, somebody this morning, I've just noticed recently, um, just in seeing things, reading things, that in the 70s we saw this a lot, and some of them didn't pan out, and some of these may not pan out, but I've started noticing um, what I would call celebrities coming to Christ. And they're coming to Christ in a very legitimate way. I mean, there's always the guys that they say, I just want to thank God, and they don't know what God, or we don't know what God they're thanking, really. But, but um, uh, the latest one, just I get a Christian news thing. It's just a summation of little stories from around the world. And it's not that long, it's not that thorough, but on this one, it had an article about, um, how many of y'all remember the Wonder Years, Fred Savage, and the, his little girlfriend, her name is Danica McKellar, McKellen, McKellar, uh, in real life, she's, she's a very brilliant lady, she wrote books on mathematics to get young girls involved in mathematics, all that kind of stuff, and she has said, I became a Christian a year ago, when my good friend, Candace uh, Cameron Bure, who is Kurt Cameron's sister, who was on Full House, challenged me to read the Bible and gave her a Bible. And she said, I did. She said, I was raised believing that religion had caused a lot of suffering and war in the world. And she said, and that's still true, but that was people that wasn't God. And in reading the scripture, I've come to believe that Jesus is the Christ and I'm a follower of his. And I've started reading now the Old Testament. 
And I'm in Leviticus, and it's a little dry, but that's okay. It's all important. And that's her testimony. A year later, she's waited to kind of say more about that. I don't know. I think there were some hints of it before. Well, she's not a super famous, crazy celebrity. There is, there is a celebrity, and I use that term very loosely. Um, she's famous in certain circles. She used to be a stripper. She has uh, some illegitimate children. She did a lot of very foul things, rap artist, came to the end of herself, became a believer as in, in Bible school, Bible college learning. She gave it all up and just said, God wouldn't have me doing that. God wouldn't want me to do it. And I won't do it anymore. It's just, it's crazy. And I'm, and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, spoiler alert, we might not get to the end of the chapter. In fact, we're, I'm going to have to just hurry through it. But this commentator says, in this day, you can't pick a religion. You're either for Christ or for, for Satan. That's it. It'll be a very clear picture. You're on one or the other. You're in or you're out. You're on or you're off. You're either right with God or you're not. And it's true now. We just, people get confused. And with all the, the subtle lies that are told um, by, by, in my humble but accurate estimation, demonic forces, and we don't realize uh, the severity of what some things that are going on. Let me just race through. Uh, so one thing was number six didn't pour out on people. The Euphrates dried up. And in the seals and in the trumpets, there is a gap of time between six and seven. He'd come to six, say it, and then God would tell him something else, and they would take a pause, and then seven would happen, and it would look like the end of the world, and then he'd go to the next judgments. Get to six, and he would stop, and there'd be a gap, and he'd say some things, and then seven would happen and go into the, now the bowls, and we see this gap between the trumpets and the bowls where he's explaining, okay, this is what's going on, this is what's about to happen, he's going back and forth in time. He gets out the bowls, and it's just bam, 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 Six, seven, he doesn't pause. And notice what happens. And when the seventh angel pours out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. What? I love the dramatic things that they can do in movies and things like that. I don't think you would be able to duplicate what that's going to sound like. The voice of God rolling out of the throne room of heaven saying it's over. It's done. There's nothing else coming except Christ. Now, let me, let me say one thing back there in 15. I'm coming like a thief. What does it mean that he's coming like a thief? Because people have twisted that a lot. You probably have figured this out. But what does it mean he's coming like a thief? Right, yeah, yeah, a, a thief can't steal from you if you know he's coming, right? You'll be ready for him. These people are fighting him. Uh, well, I thought of a, a scripture as I was thinking about this two minutes ago, and so I'm not sure exactly where it is. I think it's in, it's in either First or Second Peter, I know that. And it says that, they deny the second coming because they say from the beginning all things have remained the same. In order for, just as, I'm going to jump into the realm of science for a second. For evolution to be true, 
All the conditions cannot change. They have to remain constant for gazillions of years because any change is going to kill the things that are evolving. They have to stay in a set order. So what he's saying in Peter is they're denying the flood. They're denying that things have changed. And then we under, because the flood explains all the fossil records, by the way. So these people are in open rebellion against God, and they are those people that say since the beginning of time. Not that it's always been the same. They, they still are not thinking he's about to come back. Thank you, Second Peter. What, what was the chapter? Three, chapter three, Second Peter. I thought it was chapter three, but I couldn't remember first second, but anyway. Yeah, I just think that these people still don't know he's coming. They're just like, man, God's so mean, he's fighting us, and we're going to take him out. We killed all the believers, now we're going to get him. When Satan tempted Jesus, this is something I, I, we have to keep in mind. I slip up and say things in a wrong way, and I hear other preachers saying things in a wrong way. Jesus did everything he did in his flesh as a man filled by the Holy Spirit. And you can't forget that. Because if he did it as God, he, wouldn't, he couldn't have died for man. He would have died for gods. But he didn't die for gods, he died for men. He died to forgive men of their sin and to win this battle against Satan. We are the prize in the heavenly war. And so we, you know, there are those that will not be on the winning side, but that's the war. He said, I'm like a thief, I'm coming. They don't know I'm coming, but the believers know it. And they should, or if they were here, they'd be excited. Yes, sir. It is finished. That's a good question that I don't have an answer to, but I will look that up, see if anybody compares that. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, you, you, you found the rapture in Revelation. And when did it happen? Seventh bowl of the third sets of sevens. And so there has to be, and, and back to our, first, uh, our earlier conversation, I'm still working that in my head. There's got to be some believers alive because those who are alive and remain will then be caught up with him after the dead and Christ rise first. We all know those are the Presbyterians, but anyway. <laughs> Sorry, just bad joke if you're Presbyterian. I'm just kidding. I, I apologize. But I, every year in seminary, I went to a seminary that wasn't just Baptist, so every year I had a, a Presbyterian roommate. And uh, my third year, that guy's still a good friend of mine. And uh, um, we named our last child the same name but actually not on purpose he called me and said do you mind if I name my son Ian I went, no because he was born a little bit after my Ian but anyway um, yeah thank you exactly uh, it, it's over it's done now he's going to go on and explain again he takes his pause because this is Babylon fallen and all of that but then here it is the seventh angel pours out his bowl into the air loud voice says it is done flashes of lightning rumblings peals of thunder Great earthquakes such as had never been since man was on the earth, so great was that earthquake. That's a pretty big earthquake because the continents rose and fell in the flood. The great city was split into three parts, and that would be Babylon, 
uh, whatever Babylon is, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make, uh, to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no, and no, mountain were, no mountains were to be found. Great hailstones, about 100 pounds. We don't know the specific weight that he uses, but it is believed they're about 100 pounds each fell down from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plagues of hail, because the plague was so severe. And then one of the seven angels had the seven bowls had come. I'm going to show you the judgment. And, he, and so now he's pulled out of this vision of the end, and then it's explained more to him in, in 17 and 18. And then we come back to 19. And uh, then I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation. And so we see the glory of the second coming starting in chapter 19. So the next two chapters explain this judgment of the end of the world. And then 19 brings about his return. Y'all had some great questions. I love questions I can't answer because um, it gives me more to look at. And I will challenge you guys to look, look it up too because those were some super ones. All right. Um, it's past time, so I will pray. Thank you all for coming. You all are great. I really appreciate you being here. I really do. God, thank you again for your glory. Uh, Lord, thank you that, that you uh, have given us the opportunity to know you and to worship you, to give you the sacrifice of praise. Uh, thank you that, that, Lord, because of that, we should have extreme compassion on those who are trapped by our enemy to do his will. And there are plenty of people like that around us. Lord, give us your eyes of love and grace to want them to be in the kingdom so that they can be made right, so they can be brought into the, to your glorious kingdom. Lord, use us um, as we see the horrors of the end of the, the age. Um, God, just help us to be prepared ourselves because uh, we, don't, we don't know... Uh, if we're long gone or if we'll be there when that happens. But Lord, uh, we do know that uh, you are God and we're not. And so we just ask for your grace and your help to do what is godly and that we would have uh, rewards for you uh, when, when we see you face to face. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.